Hello, friends, and welcome back. My name is Matt. Across from me is the man who puts the super in superintendent. Ken, how are you? Doing great. Thanks again for another wonderful intro. You're too, too kind. <laughs> how's, uh, we, how's this past week? Any, anything happened? It's kind of funny. Um, a lot of things happened, but, you know, you know, we're not all about sports, but we like to talk about sports because that's what we do. And it was so poignant. Our very first episode, you started talking about Mitchell Trubisky. Mm. And what do you think about him coming to the Steelers? And... You know, oh, I think? have a whole, I'll bet you whole segment in my head about the amazing quarterback shuffle that occurred this past week with so many different uh, quarterbacks and re-signs and coming out of retirements right. uh, and extensions. Um, but before we get to that, of course, let's play show and tell. Of course we will. Thank you very much. And why don't you start with, oh, this week is Matt's turn to bring a cigar. So he will start and tell us what he has. Yeah, in case you don't know, in every episode, we alternate who brings the bottle and who brings the cigar. It's tradition around here to start with the smoke. And since Ken brought the very smooth Don Rafa Habano last episode, uh, this week I have a seasonal treat. This is a limited edition, a yearly release from one of my favorite companies, Alec Bradley. Okay. Um, Just want to say, if you haven't seen these from the box to the label to the cigar itself, uh, the presentation and construction. Uh, creates a flavor complexity that is unlike any normal stogie that you would see. Uh, the unique release comes in a barber pole wrapper. And in case you don't know what that means, a barber pole uh, is unlike a standard cigar that traditionally has one leaf wrapping the entire cigar. A barber pole uses two or sometimes three different leaves, carefully cut, wrapped around to create a visual that resembles a barber pole, hence the name. Immediate eye catch. Yeah. Immediate. This impressive design uh, is is something that I enjoyed uh, in other different barber poles. Asylum has the ogre. I think actually this past summer you got me one of those. And, yes. and when you come across something like this where you have a, a Maduro or uh, that mixes with a Candela, your, your flavor profiles as you smoke it, it just kind of goes, the needle moves back and forth to uh, different types of flavors. So uh, just to celebrate a little more of St. Patrick's Day and get this started, ladies and gentlemen, I bring to the table the 2022 Alec Bradley Black Market Filthy Hooligan Shamrock. Oh, well done. Yes. This, uh, is, this is the fourth release of the Filthy Hooligan. The regular, or the Filthy Hooligan Shamrock, the Filthy Hooligan actually came out and is on its 10th release. That only has two wrappers. This is a 6x50 Toro, and this is a triple Barbara Pole wrapper, which means it has a Nicaraguan Habano, a Nicaraguan Habano Maduro, and a Candela leaf wrapped around to create a Barbara Pole with three different leaves. Wow. Okay. Yep. Inside, you'll find the Ecuadorian Sumatran binder and fillers from Honduras and Panama. Looks like you swung for the fence on this one. Mm-hmm. Nice. MSRP on one of these bad boys is about thirteen twenty-five a stick. Huh. And uh, the, due to the limited Candela supply, uh, limited release. There's only 1,500 boxes out there, and they come in boxes of 10. I have two boxes inside. So you've gone ahead and upped the game. Mm-hmm. You've gone ahead and said, yeah. okay, we're going to do this. Let's, let's move The bar forward. was uh, a little waist high, uh-huh. and now it's about shoulder high. Okay. All right. Well, I hope I can match that with, uh, you know, as mentioned, I know it's a couple days, you know, thereafter St. Patty's Day, but we wanted to go ahead and stay in line with that. Uh, 
that holiday tradition. So what I brought to the table here, if we're ready for the next part of show and tell. Oh, please tell. Yes. And uh, show. It is coined as the spirit of Dublin. It is tealing whiskey. And it's a single grain. Uh, you know, immediately when you start thinking about single, I mean, what comes to my mind when I hear that, I'm like, oh, it's a single malt. No, it's a single grain. So with that being said, uh, it is, as I said, it's you know, called Teeling Whiskey. It is the company that's distilled at is Cooley Distillery. And it's called a, a finished Irish whiskey. And the interesting part as far as the percentages go, and if anyone was listening last week when Matt gave us that great uh, understanding and breakdown of what bourbon's about, uh, when we're talking about the mash bill percentages, 95% corn and 5% malted barley. Proof on this, 92. And also the aging as far as the uh, barrels, it's aged six years in the Californian Cabernet Sauvignon barrels. So fancy. Fancy indeed. And it's unlike, of course, the uh, as you talked about last week, the, the bourbon barrel is all to its own. It has to be first time run with that barrel. Obviously, that's not the case with this when it comes to the whiskey. Uh, it is considered rare example of a single grain Irish whiskey, which means it's, it was a column distilled from a mash of multiple grains, often corn, rye, unmalted, or malted barley, and wheat, and made it the single Irish distillery. It is stated as being non-chill filtered. So that caught my eye. Uh, I've never had this, and I don't think Matt has either. Uh, I no. received it as a gift about two years ago, and it has been sitting on my shelf ever since. You're waiting for the right time to open and try, and this is indeed the day. This is the right time. It is. So you already fired up that cigar. I did. Okay, that's fine. I couldn't wait. I, I know, and I'm going to do that. You're going to break right. out the lightsaber and torch yes. yours and toast it. And I will go ahead and pour ourselves a glass of this tea leaves. Please do. You know, the shamrock, uh, immediately, you'll get citrus, a little bit of cream and coffee and pepper. Um, that's something that you're going to get with the candela and the triple wrap, right? It, I said the complexity of this, it changes as you, as you smoke it. And I think that's what fascinated me the first time i had it well you did that intriguing thing last time you did a cold pull did you do a cold pull with this particular one absolutely i i okay. cold draw my cigars before i immediately after cutting it some people use that cold draw for an opportunity to like kind of wet the cap in case some of the cap wrapper the cap leaf starts to peel off a little bit um but it also is an opportunity to taste what the wrapper has kind of get that on, on your palate and, and kind of see what's, what's in store, right? Because when you light it, you're going to get those fillers and you're going to get the, the binder, uh, but you mix in with the flavor, especially if you have like a nice dark Maduro, like a nice chocolatey Maduro, um, something like this. You're going to get a little bit of sweet, a little bit of pepper. It's just going to kind of keep changing. Uh, and that's one of the beauties about barber poles. And you, they're not very common, but... It's also, I mean, some people say it's gimmicky, mm -hmm. you know, it's, uh, but I, I think it's, it's great for once in a while. It's, is it an everyday smoke? Pro probably not. It's not, you know, I mean, I wouldn't mind smoking it every day, but I like variety. But this is a, uh, definitely something that I enjoy as a seasonal around this time, St. Patrick's Day. Uh, you know, again, sweet label, 
great marketing. The the box is behind you. Mm-hmm. It, it has a, the the shamrock, and when you open it up, it's like your typical black market crate style box. Um, but it, it's straight off the off the jump. You know, I I would consider it more of like a I would describe it as a slow dance of complexity and mm. balance. Well, that would that would be my go to. See, my response is more going to be like caveman response to it uh as most of these things are so immediately after firing it up breathing through and you know because i use it the terminology that makes sense to me i don't know if it's cigar speak but when i go ahead and take a pull holding the smoke let it out i know this is kind of a weird statement but it's it's clean it's more of a there's not a there's not a like lingering no it's very smooth it's i mean it doesn't linger in your mouth it actually is you Blow out the smoke. Um, you know how you've had like some heavy ones, some heavy smoke ones, and, and they seem to like kind of coat the inside of your mouth. This does not. It actually, as you blow it out, it goes, it's clean, and the taste is uh, th- there and gone. And with that, that's the first thing it goes. Now I'm looking at it as far as the eye test. It is, my ash is burning evenly. Uh, the cut that we did, I think we both shared the, uh, the taper straight cut at the edge there non-v uh and it's ventilating quite well i mean it's already just you know as you see with the ashes already the form it's not canoeing right off the bat and uh like i said from the aesthetic sure the eye test looks great from the uh actually smoking it and breathing out it is smooth for lack of a better term and there's no lingering so and this also classifies the strength and it's really funny you say that it's smooth the the strength classification is a medium to full body okay okay that was my so, next question where, where was its category? yeah it, it, that's where it kind of that's where the needle t- moves towards more of a full-bodied uh and uh in a future episodes i want to have a description of what body means versus strength versus flavor for you know so but this is your body comes uh it's, it's from your flavor mm-hmm. your strength is different than a body um, now, now this one, for example, this has, uh, in episode one, I described the Nicaraguan Habano wrapper. That's from the Oliva Serie O that mm-hmm. we had. Uh, the other leaf on this, in case you didn't know, is a Maduro. That is just a longer fermentation process that creates more of a, a bolder, robust flavor and obviously a, a darker leaf. And then the Candela, which is considered the mildest wrapper, uh, you get more of a sweet, grassy flavor. It's light green, in case you don't know. But uh, the listeners, obviously, you can see your own cigar. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. created by a, a quick drying process, and that that heat locks in the green uh, the green chlorophyll of the tobacco. So that's why it doesn't change colors because it's a quick process to to lock in that flavor and and, and ferment. Okay. Now I'm going to do. This. I, I I see you reaching for your glass. Yeah, I'm ready I want to do I'm the re- same. You ready to start the yeah, marriage on the- this? Okay. Mm. Hmm. Go with your first thoughts. My first thoughts are that again we found a pair that marries well. It's a that is not a f- heavy loaded drink. I would Correct. say that's a, a very medium to full, somewhere in that that, that range, but. Uh, with the cigar, it's a it, it's a very 
comparable pair, not a contrastable pair. Right, so we don't have one two different things from the two different sides of the spectrum here. It's uh, they both kind of fall in the middle. What are your thoughts? Well, in I was especially interested. I wanted to see. Obviously, it's been sitting there, and I wanted to see what it's like. And obviously, today we have the cigar, and we got this type of whiskey. So, and I was especially intrigued what a single grain is. You know, I don't know in my life if I've had a single grain. Never really paid attention to something like that. So that's what I was anxious with. So from the nose, off the bat. Uh, it was light. It, it, you know, I didn't know what to expect. I'm like, okay, I have a scent and aroma, you know, not really getting that alcohol smell too much. I mean, it is a 92 proof. And then when I went to the palate, uh, smooth type, it was, I hate to use the term, but tasty. I mean, it was like, there was a variety of different flavors that were in there that I can't really identify, uh, at this point. But definitely you could say, okay, there was some care involved here. We have the alcohol uh, melded with the, the flavors that are in there. And I'm thinking, you know, because of what it came from, it came from that, you know, that special type of barrel, the Sauvignon Blanc uh, barrel. Um, I want to say it was six years with this particular one is how long it's been in the barrel. And then uh, from there, I don't know if it says it on the bottle. But um, then the last part was the, you know, the ending or the, uh, What's the term that's used for that when you're finished with it that at the end there? The finish. There's the word. Slow burn. I always look for that burn because that's the one that gives me that uh, that litmus test on how the alcohol content is. It's not a super crazy burn where it burns all the way going down. It is a little bit more than a warming. I know we've had some ones in the past that I could identify immediately. It's not a burn. It's a warming. This yeah. one was a little bit more than a warming, if you will. It was like, you know, but uh, definitely pleasant. Uh, I've already taken... Two pulls off the drink. I'm about to take a third because. Mm. Well, that you get that with something that's been aged. Uh, this says it's been aged for five years five in years. X okay. wine casks. Okay. So you, you're getting flavor. You're getting the the. So it's leaching. It's leaching exactly. from the barrel, and as it is, and that's what you want, and that's the offset from, you know, obviously on a super high. I don't think really the Irish whiskeys inherently are a super high octane is the word we use um but i was especially interested what what's this difference with the uh the single grain you, you know, know and that's a good question um i am unfamiliar with single grain i know single malt and mm-hmm. i'm assuming that and i'll do some research and maybe have an answer next time but i'm assuming the single grain is essentially like the single malt yeah and that's the beauty of what we do here we essentially here we have something not really armed with a bunch of knowledge on it, but just yeah. like, hey, identifiers for you folks. And then from there, like, okay, this is what we feel. I'm sure people are listening out there, oh, this is what it is, yeah. and that's what that is. And obviously the people who put this out are, you know, definitely clear on what it is. But as it stands, now we have something we've tried, tasted, we're going to go forward with that, and then others can do the same and build on that. Yeah, because so. like the single malt is uh, 100% malted barley. I'm assuming mm-hmm. that this is 100% uh, you know, of one single grain and not multiple grains as a blend. But, hey, before we get to uh, what's on your mind, okay, we actually had a listener question from the last episode that I'll answer if they're listening. Awesome. So the cap of the cigar is known as the head of the cigar, and that's the end that you put in your mouth. Uh, you can distinguish the cap by a faint line uh, 
or seam around the head of the cigar where it tapers down into the body, that taper portion is called the, the shoulder. Um, obviously, you want to cut it above the shoulder, above that faint line, because if you cut it any lower, you can get your wrapper starts to unravel or mm-hmm. things like that nature. And then the foot of the cigar is the light, uh, is the, the end that you light. Got it. So okay. somebody was asking that question. If you're listening, there you go. And uh, for everybody else, if you have any questions or even if you just want to say hi, we have a button on our main page. You can click that, leave us a, a, a message or a question, and we'll, uh, we'll get back to you. Did. I did not check. Did anybody, uh, your poll question about the hot dog. I was very intrigued about that. I wondered what would be the outcome of that. Oh, yeah. Let me check yeah. that. It's been a hectic week. We didn't have it's a chance a to week. look through. Um, so today's the first day of spring, in case you didn't know. Indeed, it is. Um, the vernal equinox. Ooh. That's right. By right, we should have exactly 12 hours of daylight and 12 hours of night. Wow. Thus did not spring. know that. Vernal for spring, equinox equal. So what's on your mind, Ken? Oh, I want to know what the hot dog thing. No, what's on my mind? Well, while I find that, I'm okay. asking you. Uh, I'll tell you what's on my mind. We're not going to get to the sports stuff because we've had, I guess we'll call them fans or critics. I don't, I don't know what it is. You know, uh, We talked about, hey, we, we like your sports comments, but can you say other things? I'm like, well, we like sports. Guys talk about sports. We, we do in particular. Um, but, of course, it's not going to dominate the conversation. I, um, you know, me and you, separate locations, we have those laying awake at night thinking of things. And I had a great opportunity to talk to a friend of mine, uh, a family, family member, in fact, too. And I had asked him the questions about, you know, I'm always asking questions about whiskey, cigars, you know, and a variety of other things. And in particular, he told me that he's not fond or he does not like Irish whiskey. Which, you know, for me is, I, I, I tend to like it. I, from what I've seen, tasted, whatever it may be, I seem to always go back to that. But I do enjoy several other things, scotch and bourbons. But he's saying, no, I, I don't like it. Um, and I had him sample uh, another whiskey that we're going to feature down the line. That, uh, I, well, I don't know if we are because I've had it, I've tasted it. And we try to go ahead and do things we haven't done before. But anyway, he's like, yeah, this is exactly, uh, you know, it. It's not, it's not harsh. It's not this. It's, not, it's just not my, my taste. And, you know, and I began to wonder, and I started asking him this. I go, have you ever been in a situation where you've had, you've been around some guys and somebody brings a bottle of whatever, and it might be three or four of you, and they're like, hey, dude, come here, have a, you know, have a, a pour of this or a shot of that. And even before the point where you've actually did the tasting, you'll have a couple of the guys, oh, man, this is great. Oh man, this is smooth. This is this is awesome, isn't it? And you haven't even tried it yet, but you do, and you have your thoughts and comments on it. But you keep them to yourself, and you more or less just go with, "Yeah, oh man, you're right about this." So it, it made me think more of the social psychology of what we do as far as when we come to actually drinking, you know, drinking the spirits and having the scars that we do. So we we you know expounded on that a little more. And, you know, I thought to the point where, yeah, um, I've been there myself and I do believe there's probably a, quite a few listeners and people in general who start to dabble in this type of thing and they maybe are not sure 
what is good, what isn't. I mean, it, you know, and I, I'm not, you know, completely versed on it as well. But then I started thinking about is there, there's a culture involved in it. And there's a lot of people that probably don't smoke whiskey. I'm sorry, nobody smokes wow. whiskey. Wow. What's in this stuff? Uh, <laughs> drink whiskey and smoke cigars on a regular basis. Those that do, of course, are, are more versed in it. But I liken it to, hey, uh, I got the cigar. There was a reunion. Or there was a, um, hey, my, uh, my buddies were coming in for a, uh, you know, the frat was getting together. Or my father-in-law is a big cigar fan. So you really don't know, but you go there, you get what you can, and find out that, hey, this is a great one, let's do it, and have no idea what's going on with it as well. So I think there's actually some of the culture part of it, of actually getting into what we're doing right here, is, you know, we're men. And men basically want to, you know. And ladies. Men, ladies. But I mean, the thing is, with us, it's like we always, you know, women are cooler, though. They're like, you know, if, whatever, man, if it bothers you, know, I'll tell you what I think. Mm. You know what I'm saying? They're like, hey, I didn't like it, you know. That's the difference. Men will be like, hey, yeah, it's, it's good. And they don't even know or like it or whatever it may be. So I think that might be part of what comes across here, what we're doing in regards to uh, starting to sample, have an understanding that there's not only just a taste, a like, or whatever it may be, but also we don't really get the deeper thoughts, if you will, from people. And I think we need to do more with that. You know, we're doing our field studies, that is. So it's true. You asked me what's on my mind, so there you go. What about you? It's always a loaded question. When it I is, yeah, you're like, yeah, it's basically, you're like, you're going to sip, you lean back in your chair, you're like, yep. here we go. Oh, yeah, I'll grab my drink, yeah. I'll lean back, and I, I wait. Yeah. yeah. Tick tock, tick tock. And then, um, well, no, I have to hit it back to you. What's in your mind this past week? Well, I, I, I don't want to go too deep into the sports rabbit hole, but I have a couple things that I, I do want to discuss and get your, your two cents on. Uh, one, uh, in the news, Mike Tyson just came out with a uh, recreational marijuana edible okay. called Mike's Bite. And what it is, it's shaped like an ear. Stop it. Uh, more than two decades after Tyson bit off a chunk of Holyfield's ear in the 90, 97 uh, heavyweight championship fight. Uh, he has released uh, an edible and shape of ears. That's that's right. Um, Boy, you got to have a sense of humor, right? Right, and it's actually and an, an, I thought it was kind of funny that it's a it's an ear with a little chunk missing out of it. Uh, just something I thought was humorous. Um, but huh. yeah, in case you didn't know, that's or, that's out there. Borderline pushing the envelope. I mean, that is. And the funny thing about that is, I don't think I would think twice. If you told me that Mike Tyson was coming out with an edible, now you got my attention. Gosh. I mean, it's the things that actually will tilt the scale, which, you know, whichever way. But you're like, wow. I guess, how many years did you say that was? It was more than two decades. Okay. So the fight was in 97. So there we have it. I think maybe it's it's not a, a, is this a too soon issue? No, No. I don't think it is at all. Um, There's probably quite a few folks out there who do edibles have no idea what that means. I'm going to... It's true. I'm going to throw that out. Yeah, the, the, the generation that are, that's going to dispensaries right now probably have no idea the humor behind that. Yeah, and I think what's going to happen is after they have a few of them, and then they look back like, dude, this looks like an ear, is what the response you're going to get. <laughs> you know, and full circle. Hey, uh, have you saw any of the Combine uh, news? 
to me, there's one guy who stands out on top of the, everybody else, Jordan Davis. He go, is a go ahead. monster. Uh, he's a Georgia defensive tackle. He had a 4.78 40-yard dash, right? He is six foot six, three eighths. Uh, so he's taller than Gronkowski. He's 341 pounds, so he's heavier than Jason Peters. And he had a 40-yard time faster than Patrick Mahomes. And his 1.68 10-yard split was quicker than Jarvis Landry. Okay. And that guy, uh, now he's, where is he in the group? Is he, you know, offhand where he's like at the top 50 as far as like in the draft or what? The draft position, I, I don't, don't know. know. I just know that, that <clears throat> those numbers are impressive. And his uh, standing broad jump was 10 feet, 3 inches, which is also believed to be a record for somebody over 300 pounds. Wow. So okay, this so is a, a monster for a, a defensive tackle. A physical phenom. I mean, what you're saying there. Now, I'm a fan of the combine, uh, but it is, it, it, for me, it's the sum of the parts equal the whole. Um, it's a skills test. It, you know, a variety of things that you, you just mark them off as far as, you know, the speed, the agility, the strength, of course. You know, they, they help you get that, you know, idea of what's going on. And I think that combine is completely invaluable for guys who are, in my opinion, you know, number one, you didn't know about them. And suddenly, you no, know, they had they, no they, clue. And you yeah, hit the headlines, yeah. and I'm like, Whoa. yeah, suddenly they make a splash. Yep. So they, that's, you know, for that category, perfect. Two, ones that you're like, boy, they're going to go to the NFL. They're going to go to the NFL draft. There's no question. And then after they go to the combine, it kind of helps you, whoever's keeping score at home, say, you know what? I want this guy on my team, and here's why. And we, we throw out, look at the guy who, you know, threw up 225 pounds, you know, effortlessly and so forth. I did see the Eagles are interested. Okay. There are, for me, when I look at that, I think of, okay, that's great. When it comes to speed, you know it, watching football the years you have. It's not a track meet. I suppose if you're on special teams and you need to get down there in a hurry. Uh, but, you know, a lot of guys can't get up to that ultimate speed, I would say, unless they're chasing somebody on an angle pursuit across the field because they're going to get blocked. They're going to get hit. They're going to get stopped. They're going to get broken down. They're going to get in their stance because they have to read what's going on. So, you know, I'm not going ahead and minimizing the speed of it, but it's not an A to B relationship. Yeah. Just because this person's that fast. I just think it's impressive that not only is he that fast, but he's also that big. Okay. So you that's a dangerous combination. It is. Now now we gotta see, okay, what do we have with that? You know, how how's the footwork? You know, how's the technique? Yeah. Uh, is he coachable? I mean, all these things that come into the mix that, you know, are that some of the parts that equal the whole of the combine won't tell you. But no, that you're right, especially from that. For me, uh, really weird. Uh, a guy out of Wisconsin, another linebacker out of Wisconsin, six three. I think he's two fifty. Leo Chanel. Um, he's making plenty of tackles for Wisconsin this past year. The combine did nothing but help him, and he now I think is going to be on a lot of teams' radar. And of course, everything is Steeler centric for me. And if yeah. I could see him paired we up, know. okay. Okay. Can I see him? Can I see him on the de- in the defensive backfield or defensive field with uh, T.J. Watt? I mean, you're, you know, you're looking at that Wisconsin connection, and Wisconsin now is suddenly becoming this linebacker U that Penn State for years has been known for. And I can say that probably with confidence. You can say out of Wisconsin as well. Uh, they have a few linebackers out of that group that are going to be in the NFL, and in my opinion, impactful. So, you know, on the defensive side of the ball. Oh, I know what I want to hit you with. Here we go. 
the Devante Adams trade. I want your knee-jerk reaction. I want you to, you know, just like we do our cigars, the sights, the feels, the understanding, the good, bad, all that. He went to the Raiders, didn't he? He did. And if I remember correctly, he is now uh, reuniting with his uh, college quarterback, Derek Carr. He is, out of Fresno State. And they had great success. They did. In in the college years. So to have that that reunite moment and, and get them both, uh, he, Carr knows his target. Sure. I mean, it, it doesn't resonate. I mean, it's, I mean, we can correlate anything. Yeah. Joe Burrow and Lamar Chase. Okay. We know how that worked out with two guys that played together in college. Uh, not to cut you off, go ahead. Continue. No, no. I, I think it's a, I think it was a smart move on the Raiders. Um, I think that there was a lot of, you know, again, that, oh, what if we give Carr somebody that he can hit? Because I think that's one of the reasons why Carr has been kind of uh, curbed, the, you know, leashed mm-hmm, back a little mm-hmm, bit, right? Because he, mm-hmm. he didn't have phenomenal targets. Sure. Now he does. He's got one. Yeah, one. Okay, okay. But, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, if, uh, who's the tight end? If, uh, who's the tight end? He escapes me right now. When he's on the field, he's incredible. And there's people listening, just yelling right now who he is. Yep. Uh, but aside from that, I have a friend, a couple of friends who are Green Bay. Now, what's the word I'm looking for? Fanatics. Because I don't think there's Green Bay fans out there. They're all fanatics. And that's a good thing. It's like when I, you know, if I wanted to go ahead and start a cult, I would do it for the right reasons. These are the good guys out there and gals, you know, the fanatics that are out there. And I told him, I called him, I texted him and said, just from the outside looking in, let's leave fandom out of it. In my opinion, that move was one of the more genius moves that I've seen a football team do in years. Trade this guy. If you, we always use that check the box concept. He's 30 years old. Incredible wide receiver. How many Super Bowls have Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams won together? Uh, goose egg. Okay. How many NFC championships have those two together? Another goose egg. Okay. So we've got ourselves an A-plus wide receiver, and I would hazard a guess that the other wide receivers that they've had are in that C, dare I say, maybe B minus? I don't I mean, because nobody else in that wide receiver core scares you. You know, I mean, that's no. out there. <clears throat> so you're thinking, oh my gosh, we're losing our best guy. But you have Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. Okay. Who just agreed to another four-year, $200 million uh, extension, uh, $153 million guaranteed. Yeah, I think that it's been modified. I mean, I, you know, we're in apples and oranges. I mean, I think it's like a three-year, one fifty. Regardless, but it's it's spooku dollars. The highest paid NFL player in history. Yes, and you have him. So now, if I trade Devonte Adams, and it, if we're talking from a business sense, you're not going to get more out of Devonte Adams than you ever will from this day forth. He's like I said, thirty, and that's not an indictment because of age. Um, he's out there. He's this is a commodity you can send out and go with, and essentially establish the fact that. Okay, I'm going to get him out. And they got a lot in return for him. An incredible amount. Yeah. Now, you wait on him, and then the thing that kills you and kills any other player is an injury. And I often wonder, 
you know, you talk about a, uh, if you lose a guy's services because he's injured and he's gone one year, you get it. You know that. But what about that guy you have that has the nagging injury? You're like, hey, I want him out there playing. You know, him playing on one leg is even better than another wide receiver they have with two legs. I don't know how sure that is. You know, you still have that devi- deviation from that. Um, and you're right about the Raiders. I, the eye test right now, the AFC West is going to be clash with the Titans. Look at what you have going on out there, and every one of the teams are making major moves. Yeah, they have to combat one another. Well, I mean, some of the moves <clears throat> that I can think of, uh, Mitch, obviously the Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm, I, I mm-hmm, called that mm-hmm. by the way, uh, episode one. You, can you go back. Oh, did, okay, we're going to have to re, you know review the tape. I don't know if you necessarily called that. You said I thought you wanted. I gave you Jameis Winston as an option because he has legs, but I and I enjoyed that. I mean, I'm I, pretty sure that uh, <clears throat> uh. I def- I explained it as Mitch f- filling the 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 shoes, if you would, of of what Ben was as far as quarterback style. Okay, was concerned. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater to Miami. Yeah, which I mean, that's. But I want to bring back the Mitch one because you know the counterpoint that I had to that was I'm not going to throw him a lot of money at that cat. I think that's almost my quote. And they did exactly what they were supposed to do. They gave this guy the incentive, the incentive laden contract. Essentially, they have a starter quarter. He's going to be the starter. He's got, I mean, I think essentially that uh, stat between him and Roethlisberger, what they did over their sixty game period, uh, the stats are comparable. But yeah, the tail of the tape is yeah, almost it, identical. Yeah, it's identical. I mean, there's some areas, of course, that Ben's higher, but there's ones that Trubisky have notably higher. Um, but moreover. It is, we got ourselves a quarterback, we're paying him backup money, and it's a win-win. You do well, you're going to basically double your contract. Yeah. And that's it. You get a fresh start. And I also thought about this too, and I'm thinking about the top quarterbacks that are out there. They are who they are. They come out of, they come out of college, and they succeed. And then there's that group out there that gets drafted high, and they either become a Sam Darnold, and I think Trubisky is in the same group as the Sam Darnold. Uh, they don't stay with their team. They're still, you know, shuttled off on their rookie contract, going to, you know, hey, maybe this person needs a better, you know, venue to hang out at or whatever. Trubisky's definitely in that. Sam Darnold's actually shown that. Um, and then you have the Josh Rosens, the Rosen, who's in that group with the Free agent right now, I think. Yeah, he okay. So I mean, the kind of the backdrop on that, if uh, I remember correctly, you had Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, uh, then you had uh, Rosen. Okay, those guys were all drafted together, and that was the big thing: who goes first and who ends up where. And talk about when you talk about those three as an example. Wow, look at the way their career trajectories have gone in that short period of time. You know, Josh Allen signed a mega deal worked on his game and became a top quarterback. Uh, Sam Darnold, you know, the jury's still out. And Rosen, he basically, I think he's been on three different teams, and he cannot hold a starting job. Yeah. So it's for us to watch and see, like, okay, there is a position for that. I think Trubisky, he kind of reminds me, for all you Bear fans out there, reminds me of a Mike Tomzak. Had some starting roles as it is and became a serviceable journeyman quarterback and had a 15-year career. And bebopped through, I think maybe dare I say, four to five different teams, and he had a great career in that sense. 
There are uh, yeah. a, a, a couple of notable free agents still up for grabs. You have uh, Newton, Winston, Mariota, Dalton, and Fitzpatrick, all free agents right now. Okay, my question is, will those guys get you a Super Bowl? See that? I don't know. I, I want to say Newton had his chance. Oh, Newton is, you know, he's, yeah. Newton was at the height of the, you know. And there was a time where Fitzpatrick was on fire, but dulled out immediately. He had like a one or two good seasons, but I think that is as far as you're going to get out of him. He intrigues me the most out of that group because he's so well-traveled, well-sought after. But there's no way in the world that anybody, I'm going to say, and I think probably with confidence, anybody who gets him on a team, so, hey, we got a great player. He's not our next step. He's not going to get it. He might get us to the playoffs yeah. and uh, clearly be the bridge quarterback, which he's actually done a great role. I mean, there, there is a there is a uh, position for that. There definitely is a role for that. But clearly what everybody is looking for is the next Mahomes. They're looking for the next yeah. Aaron Rodgers. So, look, you know, clearly across the board, the top of the top. Well, the top of the top is, you know, it's not for every team. So what do you do? You know, you talk about Bridgewater's another one. If he didn't have that horrific injury, what could he have been? So let's get to the top of the top. And unfortunately, I'd hate to <clears throat> put him in this category because I've never been a fan. But go ahead. Tom Brady came out of a 40-day retirement. Okay. He's going to be 45 years old soon. I think he did like a 40-day cleanse. He did, and yeah. And he's like, yeah. you know. I'm going to go travel. I'm not going to think know, about football, but then I'm going to. like, you yeah. know, sure. So he's returning to Tampa, uh, but also known as Tampa, mm. uh, for his 23rd season. And he's a seven-time Super Bowl champion. And he announced his uh, comeback on Twitter and Instagram, uh, really quoting, is. he's got unfinished business. Don't we all? So, I mean, he's a seven-time Super Bowl champion. He is. What type of unfinished business do you have? Okay, and I think that is, I hate, like you just said, you're not a fan. I, of all people, should not be a fan of Tom Brady for what he's done to the Steelers, even though they, like, basically stole the playbook with that one year with the cameras and all that. But, I'm just joking, but the thing is, you can't, as a football fan, and you leave your fandom out of it, there's no one else out there like that. No, no, he okay. he is. I mean, they. <laughs> the, yeah. You want to use go. You want to yeah. do whatever it is. It is he, his stats say it all. Yeah, like, his stats, his longevity, and he was able to do it with one team. And then yeah. he went to Tampa, Tampa, yeah. yeah, and he did it again, and it was like, all right. And then even away from the stats, I always use that term, the qualitative measure, the things that you can't really touch it, taste it, feel it, but you damn well see it. You're like. When he gets in there and the other things that happen, because he has such a mastery. I mean, one of the things I told you, I think, a long time ago, when I see this guy and I look at him for years, been watching him because he's been playing professionally for 23 years. Okay, this guy, I mean, there's quarterbacks out there and you hear about the commentators say, oh, they're going to go to the check down. Tom knows immediately he's going to the check down. I mean, he knows that is where it's going to go. And if, you know, after the two seconds after the hike of the ball, it's not a question. He's like, Bam, it's there. And that's how they practice. Um, and that's the beautiful thing about the players that he's around. He knows their limits. And 
he knows what they can do and what they can't do because they do it over and over and over again. And I think what happens with him, which makes him such a great quarterback, is his ability to be a great teacher in the same breath. He knows. He's like, okay, I know this. You know, pick a player. Okay, he knows when he has a marquee player. But he also knows, like, okay, I got a guy who's very good at his first cut. He's tactful. He knows yeah. the surroundings. This, yeah, this guy is very good at his first cut, and we're going to go ahead and accentuate that. And you know what? I don't need to go ahead and make this guy any more than he is. He's been doing, you know, whatever he gets, a wide receiver that's been playing for five, six, seven years. And, you know, the guy maybe has great hands. Okay? Let's put him in a position where he's in open space. Then you got a guy out there that he knows has got decent hands, but he's an excellent route runner. Let's go ahead and make sure that we put him in a position where let's put him on maybe one of the best that's out there to go ahead and route run on as far as the defense goes. Um, me and you and our pedestrian understanding of what's going on have no idea what it takes to be at that level. And there's a lot of quarterbacks who play in the NFL that do not either. I'll hazard that guess. Yeah. So um, he's been to the Super Bowl 10 times, only one at seven. <clears throat> and this whiskey, mm. uh, just wanted to shift gears. This whiskey is really good. Yes. So here we are at our point. We talk about pretty much halfway through the point here about what we drink and what we smoke, and we do a little assessment. So with my cigar to begin with, it is. We're about halfway. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little further along than you, but uh, the one thing I did notice with the barber pole is that you may have to touch it up just because it it does burn slightly okay. uneven at times because of the the multiple okay. wrappers. Especially now, we got three wrappers that are trying to burn simultaneously in unison with each other. Great point, because that's exactly what I was about to say. Because I've had to touch it up once, yeah. well, a real touch up, and that makes sense. What you're saying because yeah. I was going to ask you that. It still is doing for me the nice, smooth. Yeah, you know, but you're you're getting that that Sumatra binder. You're getting. You know, Honduran uh, Panama filler, but mm-hmm. you're, for the most part, again, most of your flavor comes from the wrapper. So you're getting different flavors. The, the Candela gives you that sweet. The the Habano gives you that 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 rich, dark, sure. um, bold flavor. Um, so I got a, a good cigar fun fact. Go. Legendary writer Mark Twain used to smoke 300 cigars a month. So on average, that's 10 cigars ten a, day. a day. 10 a day, sure. Yeah. I thought that was, I mean, it, it kind of falls in line with, uh, he's got a couple of good cigar quotes, but the one I have here is, uh, eating and sleeping are the only activities that should be allowed to interrupt a man's enjoyment of his cigar. Hmm. Mark Twain. Mark Twain. Yeah. Wow. I mean, consider me educated. I never, you know, I mean... You know, ten um, cigars a day. Ten cigars a day. You got some people right now nodding their heads, and you know, yeah, right, right, you know, right. you, yeah, yeah, yeah. But they're probably not listening to this podcast. You know, well, I mean, you know, you know, I got a couple of uh, friends and follow. We have we have a couple of friends and followers on my cigar scanner app that has a social media aspect. They've been digging it and liking it. So, uh, hello to all of you, brothers and sisters of the leaf. Welcome, welcome. Um, if, do you smoke ten cigars a day? <laughs> I mean, I I just think that's that's very. I mean, think about it. a cigar takes an hour, hour and a half to burn. Yeah, we're we're in that hour, hour and a half realm, right? So, you you figure uh, ten cigars that's twelve to fourteen hours a day. You're you got a cigar in your mouth, but ten cigars. I mean, I I'm rolling over my ten cigars a day. Yeah, 
Okay, and you just said the hour to 90 minute mark. It's about, a, yeah, 30 to 90 minutes. And let's minutes. say, you know, in tradition of what we have today is the vernal equinox, you have 12 hours of light. Yeah. So, so of your, I From mean, sun like, up to sundown, you're waking you're up. You're burning one. Into the night. Yeah. For me, I mean, 300 cigars I can't have a month. cigar after seven o'clock or I'm up all night. And not only that, but 300 cigars a month, we're talking, you know, that's boxes. Boxes of cigars. I'm really that's, look. That's I'm, two boxes of cigars in two days. As you see me, I'm looking off to the left in the Carnival of Horrors, you know, screen in my head, trying to get that math together and looking at it, and also looking at myself. I'm like, what would I look like, or what would I be doing on ten of those a day? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm jealous. Okay, no, yeah. He yeah, actually I'm had jealous. another quote. That says, um, "I never smoke in excess." That is. I smoke in moderation, only one cigar at a time. Almost like a dad joke. Yeah. You know, it really is. Um, um, one of his favorites, and, and I, I, I think this is probably maybe the most famous one, is uh, if heaven has no cigars, I shall not go there. Okay. All right. Yep, Mark Twain. Yeah. Those, those guys who write things. Are you a baseball fan? I am. But before we get to that, I was thinking about something. I wanted to ask your opinion on something. Okay. I'm, I'm going to divert a little bit from our sports. But yeah, I'm a baseball fan and I do have a baseball comment to make. Um, so I had a, a conversation with two of my sisters. They're, they're older. And they always say, hey, Ken, why do you always say guys and gals? You know, it's like, hey, when you're referencing things. Is that like your Joe and Joanne? Well, no. Okay. This is, okay. There, it's. For me, it's logical, okay? When, I, when you say boys and girls, okay, they're yep. telling me I should say guys and girls. Oh, no. No. What is, okay, what is the counter? But then again, I mean. What's the female version of guys? To be politically correct, though, like nowadays, I mean, it would be. Okay, yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm, I'm there, a throwback. What I'm trying to say is what would be. Guys and gals. But isn't that like a. An old Broadway show? Like, isn't that the... No, no, no. It's Guys and Dolls. Oh, oh, oh. Right, right. Such a knave. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that was always been my comment. I mean, like, okay, guys and gals, because guys and girls does not make sense to me. No. And then, you know what? I, I kind of stood up for myself. You I mean, sh- you as know, you should. You know, they're talking about, hey, we babysat you. We used to raise you. I go, you know what? That ship sailed when I was 15. Okay? I'm a lot older now. So... A lot. Yeah. Older. So put that away. No. You know, you're not babysitting me anymore, so you don't have the clout to. That's true. You know, I'm sticking with it. Yeah, I mean, I think that's, I think that's the it, right it, terminology. It's guys. fair. It's guys fair. Somebody, you know, somebody wants to let us know, hey, I say this, or. Should that be the new uh, the new question that I post? You could. I mean, Which I can't find, for some reason, I, I have shoddy service here. Hmm. Hmm. Where I have Wi-Fi, but it's not that strong here in the smoke shed. Uh, studio, smoke shed studio. Okay, um, but uh, I'll have those. those I will. Stats. I will say this. I mean, in what I've looked and remembered, and things I forgot and brought back again, and don't know why I still know them. Uh, Happy days, everybody. Uh, that was a show from the seventies. I mean, I used to watch it. I think they were reruns. God, I hope they were reruns. Um, and I remember it at Big Al's, Arnold, and then it became Arnold's. The the doors to the bathrooms. The respective bathrooms, men's and yep. women's, they were guys and dolls. See, I was right. Which part? The guys and dolls. Well, that, well, that's where I think you're getting it from. 
Ah, okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I mean, unless you are so correct and I just been, you know, wrong. Oh, I might have to put money on this. Oh, you might. I mean, look at it. If this comes back and says, no, it's, it's guys and dolls, Ken, you're an idiot. It should have been guys and dolls. But if all you along. were to see a, a woman and you called her doll, mm-hmm. can you imagine? There's only like five people that I can do in my sphere of influence to get away with that. I think of maybe one. Okay. Well, I'm older. <laughs> ah, right. So see, I much, can, much yeah. older. And they're like, he called you a doll? Yeah, that's Ken. That's he's candy. harmless. He, just let him go. He's like, you know, that grumpy old. You guy. know, he's that guy. Like, big, you know, basically, Pension. we're talking about, you know, we're talking about fifth grade. If we're picking, pick, yeah. if yeah. we're gonna Golf go, face. yeah, yeah, hey, yeah. If we're picking like teams and the kickball, and we're here, we are. Let's picture yourself on the uh, schoolyard. We're picking teams, and you're like, it's last two. It's me and the other guy. And he said, you know what? I was always picked last. Yeah, well, mine was like a negotiation. You guys take Ken, we'll take the second grader. So. You were a freshman in high school when that game mm, happened, right? I was in fifth grade. But that's perspective, okay? But, you know, shall at this time <clears throat> in, the, in the podcast, shall I top you off? Please top me off. And okay. while you do that, um, the 99-day Major League Baseball lockout is over. Hallelujah. Thank goodness the uh, lockout was able to be resolved. The CBA uh, was able to be agreed upon to restore a 162 full season. Uh, the one thing that I would have to say is obviously that the CBA comes with a couple of changes. You're going to start seeing advertisements on uniforms. Obviously, there were salary adjustments. But my the, the biggest change, in my opinion, <clears throat> is the universal DH. I'm a Mets fan. National League was able to force... Uh, pitchers to take at bats for the past 48 years. Mm-hmm. Now you're not going to see any pitchers on base wearing jackets. You're not going to have any surprise dingers. Thank you're you're not going to have any awkward batting stances. I mean, we'll always have Bartolo Colon's home run. Uh, and as a Mets fan, that was like the best day that has ever happened in Mets history, in my opinion. I mean, you can say, well, Johan Santana hit a no hit, uh, pitched a no hitter. That wasn't actually a no hitter. If you look at the tape, there was a foul ball that hit the the, the chalk line, you can see the chalk, but they called it a foul. It, whatever, that's it's controversial. Splitting hairs. Right. But, um, you know, this also alters the, the National League pitchers as far as stats are concerned. My biggest thing was, as a Mets fan, we had uh, R.A. Dickey okay. for uh, a couple of years. Uh, his last year with the Mets, he was a Cy Young Ward winning uh, knuckleballer. He, he kind of changed his style as he got older and stopped throwing the heat and started throwing knuckleballs. And throwing a knuckleball, in um, Shea State or at uh, City Field, you're in New York, open stadium. You're next to LaGuardia. The wind's always changing. That knuckleball was so unpredictable. All right, Dickey then moved to Toronto. Uh huh. So not only did he go from National League to American League, he's now facing. He was facing one more batter, okay. but then he went to his home stadium was a dome. Okay. So his knuckleball was very predictable at that point. But one of my biggest things was like. Someone like that, or even someone nowadays in the National League, you're you're facing nine batters instead of eight. Okay. And I think that that is a huge change in in baseball having a, a designated or a, a universal DH. You, I mean, so you're against it. Would you say you're against it? Yeah. 
Yeah, okay. I, I, I am. I am. I, I think that some of the fun about um, the World Series, when you would have teams facing each other, the DH was only in American League stadiums. True. And so if you went to Game 3, for example, and now you're in a National League stadium, right? it kind of leveled the playing field a little bit just because it, it kind of it kept things interesting. Okay. Um, and it was tradition. It was a something that, again, had 48 years uh, in the making, and now I'll – well, is, in my opinion, am I against it? Yeah, just because it's a, it's a major change. But for the game of baseball, I think it is going to change the atmosphere and change the excitement because now the National League can have that guy on the bench, DH, you know, uh, a guy whose sole purpose is to go out there and hit the, the ball. ball. He doesn't field. He's not an outfielder. Sure. He is a DH who is solely dedicating his time to making sure that he can hit the ball right, hit the ball where it's supposed to, hit the ball in a gap. Or just a, you know a home run king, you know. What okay now for me, you can educate me. When did the DH become official? How long ago? How many? I mean, how many decades have we had a DH? A DH in the American League, I believe, started uh, at, at the start of of you know where American League and National League. And I don't know what no year. No kidding. But it, so we're talking American League and National League became a, okay. you know separated type of deal. So it's like more than several decades. We're talking about, you know, yeah. generational. So this was a, a long-standing change in a long time ago, for lack of a better term. For me, I have to say, finally, finally, we have some conformity. And I don't blame, I blame that moment that they decided to go ahead and make the change, the deviation. And here's why. Let's say I came to you, football fan. Oh, guess what we're going to do? AFC teams, you guys can only do the two-point conversion. NFC teams, you can only kick the extra point. I see point. what you're doing here. And I'm doing what I often do. Mm-hmm. I walk you down a path, and the landmines are there, and I don't even cover them. Devil's advocate. Okay. So with that being said, well, how did that make sense back then? And now people have been talking about for you know long-standing purpose. So in my analogy... Oh, if you're the home NFL, NFC team, we are kicking extra points today. So we got an advantage because we do that. Uh, the AFC really doesn't. They're like, you know what? We only play about six, seven, I don't know how many games, so I'm not going to really invest any trade stock, whatever. We'll, we'll, we'll pay the lowest guy on the totem pole because we only play so many games to kick the ball over the, through that upright. So if that happened today in the NFL, there would be the – the, tor- the torches and the sticks will be sharpened, the torch lit, and they'll be, what are you doing, NFL? What they should have done is this. You had to pick one way or the other. I am all for it, what they're doing in MLB. Let's go ahead. Pitchers are pitchers. Their specialty, like a kicker's a kicker. When a kicker shows up to kick, a pitcher shows up to pitch. All right? And if it gets to the point where we have an extra spot for hitting, because when you have the when you're up at the plate, what is your team doing? It's hitting. And if I get a specialty hitter who's already doing what we're supposed to be doing, when we have the ball pitched to us, bravo. Yeah. So for me, yeah, there was a lot. There was sense. a lot of fun, especially in, okay. 
when I was in Jersey, we'd watch the Subway Series, and you'd have the Yankees and the Mets play, and the Yankees were in City Field or or back in the day Shea Stadium. Yeah, and the Yankees pitcher had to bat. You were like, "Oh, this is going to be good." Right. Because they're not used to, I mean, they take BP. I mean, well, all well, the players take BP. Like, I don't want to cut you. Like, I want to cut you at the knees, but I'm asking you, like, having a pitcher bat, and I don't know why it is with the pitchers, is it an improvement of the game or it takes away from the game? I mean, just let's talk about in the vacuum. A pitcher up at the plate swinging, is that a good thing for the game or does it improve your game? Does your improve your chances? I think it chances? keeps it interesting. Okay, I, interesting. Yeah, that's, and I, that's the I, best and you I can do with that. I also think that in the National League, when if you have nine players playing a game, to have that pitcher then go and do what the rest of those, the, the remaining eight players are doing when it's his time to bat, go and bat. Uh, take you know, take your swing, take your bun, okay. you know, take your walk, whatever the case may be. But not like, oh, I'm the pitcher. Hey, you guy who is the, the DH, can you go hit for me? Like, no, you're playing the game. You're the starter. Right. It's like having you know, I don't. I I just it was one of those things where I always felt like if you're a pitcher. You're playing with the rest of your team. Sure. My personal opinion, that's yeah. all, of course, is you know you bat with the rest of the team. The pitcher is a quarterback. Yeah. And he does some pretty labor-intensive stuff, especially if he's pitching at the optimal level. My third baseman could basically stand there and kick dirt and watch this guy strike people out and not do anything but, I mean, on the defensive side of the ball. Think about so as this, far though, as energy's sake. There was a pitcher... Shohei Otani, uh-huh, uh-huh. which is the, obsec- the exception. He was in to the, the home rule. run derby last yeah. year. Well, okay, and then who was who else who fit that criteria done that as well? Yeah, I mean you can't Babe, pick, Babe you, Ruth. You can't pick a, a you can't pick another one, and that's so. called the exception. Yeah, you know, that's <laughs> like I don't know, but I'm, what I'm trying to say is this: I've got a pitcher out there who is a highly, highly level specialty skill as it is. I want him to sit down and dug out and rest. Okay. I don't want him now. Suddenly, he's got to go up, yeah. and now he's on the plate. Take your swings. If, Re- you, if you get on base, is there a better chance? Yeah, throw a pinch runner. Yeah, I'll give you the pinch runner. Oh, if you can at that point, and I get that. But I mean, yeah. do I want to run the risk with my pitcher, who's probably not the best runner either? He twists an ankle, yeah. rounding second. I mean, there's. I mean, let, let, let's see what we got. If we want, if we want to make baseball better and more attractive, let's. I mean, traditional things need to go to some extent. Let's improve the game. Okay, I want a rested pitcher, and I want the best bats that are out there. That's going to impact the game. It's true. You know? And here I go again. Here, I got a, a, a cigar, do or don't, or this today. I have go, a myth. Go, So today's uh, cigar myth is that a darker cigar is a strong cigar. This is probably by far the most common myth in, in the cigar industry. Uh, a darker wrapper commonly known as a Maduro, will offer a, a rich, heavier flavor and body, but doesn't necessarily mean a strong cigar. The strength of the cigar comes from the nicotine, which is produced by the filler and the binder. Uh, in case you, uh, and I've mentioned it, the, the wrapper is, is responsible for the higher percentage of flavor than the strength. Yes, she did. Um, for example, an Ashton-aged Maduro is a dark, almost black broadleaf wrapper, yet the strength scale categorizes it as like a mellow or a medium. Um, further example, uh, my wife uh, said this today. Um, the darker coffee does not necessarily mean more caffeine. Huh. It is a bolder flavor due to the longer roast, 
but much like the fermentation of a Maduro leaf gives you a bolder flavor. Um, so to, to simplify, uh, dark equals flavor, not strength. There's your myth. Wow. You have myth busted. Yeah, myth busted. You sure did. Is that- I'm glad, no, I'm glad your wife actually had, you know, was able to tell you that, you know? My she wife, was a, uh, yeah, she she's you know she was a barista for a couple of years, and oh. she was like, so I mentioned that she's like, oh yeah, same so thing as coffee. So she's classically trained. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, my wife, she I mean, she's very supportive too. I mean, she listens to the podcast, you know, religiously, and she critiques me. And I mean, I'm ready for it. I'm like, hit me with it. What do you think? She says, yeah, I want to talk to you about your voice. You know, mm. she says it's very monotone. But she goes, uh, it, it, you know. I, I I like it as such, you know. So she's like, you know, it, it basically maybe it, it's like you could raise the dead, and I'm like, really raise the dead? I'm like, there she goes again, you know, <laughs> saying, Ken, you make the impossible possible. That's the only way to look at that one, right? Yeah. Right. So, thoughts of the we'll go thoughts of the last. Here we third. go. Yeah. Let's thoughts of the cigar. Would you smoke it again? Absolutely. Um. Now we've gone through this. I mean, I'm you're a little closer to the wrapper than I am. My wrapper's off. Your wrapper's off. Ooh, yeah, dirty. Yeah. Uh, mine's still on, and I am really enjoying it. It is definitely a slower burn. Yeah, it's much not, for yeah, some reason. Yeah, yeah, it does burn slow. And I up. and I mean, I can say that with confidence because the last cigars we've had, we had the same type of cut. Mm-hmm. So I mean, as far as ventilation goes, I you know have you know visited the cigar and let it rest and have purged it several times as i did you know normally so it is slower yeah i've had to touch it up one more time um but i'll tell you what i will go ahead and hazard that whatever it may be because the flavor and what i i'll come back to the beginning when i was you know inhaling and pushing out the smoke like i said it's very hard to say this word but clean you know it was it didn't really like residue in your mouth i mean for lack of a better term and it went from there. And I it doesn't stick around. Like yeah. I, I agree, it doesn't stick around. Yeah. Uh, with you, it, it kind of. Yeah. You get that flavor bomb, and yeah. then it just goes away. Um. Maybe because of my own rating, I could be convinced otherwise. I'll give it a seven seven. Seven seven. I was gonna go eight three. Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Seven seven and eight three. You have it here, folks. Um, and just so you know that these, uh, these ratings I'm recording and we will have a top 25 at the end of the year. So this could be fun. Uh, the teeling whiskey, single grain Irish whiskey that we're drinking is outstanding. Right. And to go ahead and disclaimer, as far as our ratings go two novice guys, we're not classically trained. We're regular Joe and Joe and Joanne's. And what we do is what we taste, feel, whatever it may be. And, uh, some of the input that you kind folks have told us, Hey, look into this, check out that. And we've been learning. We're like a learning computer, like Skynet, Terminator, that kind of thing. But getting back to Teeling, <laughs> what are you saying about Teeling? Let, let, let's you start, please. Well, let me take a sip real quick. Because that's a good thing to do. I'm mm. taking several myself. It's very, I would say, definitely smooth. Uh, no burn. Not anymore. Flavorful. <laughs> It's got, it, it finishes well. It Again, it, it, it probably compares to the cigar. It doesn't stick around with you. See, and not like a bourbon, like a, a good, like last episode we did the bottled and bond bourbon. And that kind of, you, you can go after your sip and kind of taste it and go, hmm, 
Right. Oh, that's good. Oh, and it's still there. Where this is kind of like, oh, let me take another sip. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because, and then also, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to ask this question because I'm thinking this. Um, has this changed because of the marriage with the cigar? If we have a change in our palate sensory concept or whatever term we have here, I mean, how I'm tasting this cigar in concert with the whiskey that I'm drinking. Has that changed my outlook? Hmm. Well, yeah, we're going to have to go ahead and require science on this. Yeah. I suppose. But, I mean, that that's what I take into account. Uh, because I've noticed that as we've done these shows, and if time has gone by and we made the ratings, we've seen them, we've gone ahead and tried them independently and enjoyed them both. Yeah. And they seem to complement. Both seem to be better, you know, as far as an enjoyment factor as we go. And obviously we, we are involving nicotine and alcohol, psychoactive drugs. I get it. But, I mean, still, I mean, in a short period of time, we've involved the two. Um a roundabout answer, and I will when it talks to the healing. Um, you guys already know that I do enjoy the Irish whiskeys, kind of a weapon of choice. This is the way it worked out. Um, I just was very intrigued with what the single grain would have to offer. I'm not, I'm not disappointed. I, um, getting back to what you're saying, you know, from the initial, from the nose, from the smell, uh, to the palate, the taste has been, you know, it's been flavorful. I've enjoyed it. The finish, the finish, in, as time has gone by, has been less pronounced. Yeah. Know, as far as the burn goes, I mean, or the I said it's more than a warmth. It's more like a it's it's hotter to the, is a warmth as a as opposed to. Uh, it's a very smooth. Yeah. Irish whiskey. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes with Irish whiskeys, like if you go with a, a Jamo or something, yeah. you know, you, you, it's it's a very wow, oh wow. Well, yeah, like, it seems like Jamo seems very specific. Have a, it's, it's got a wow factor, but not for those reasons. It's got a, sure. a much different wow factor. You're like, oh wow, uh-huh. that's a very smooth uh, Irish whiskey that that I was not anticipating that. Yeah, would come that, yeah, that come flavor register yeah. right. So your your mind goes whoa whoa whoa. Yeah. So um, is. As far as Irish whiskeys go, and the ones that I've had throughout my life, I, um, I would have to say that this one does establish some level of uniqueness. I do taste separate things with it, different feel with it as far as, you know, if we're adding, you know, nose, palate, finish, if we're doing that breakdown, there is a uniqueness to it. I would know, uh, when I, when, if I go back to, I mean, I, I will definitely now all of a sudden say, hey. If I am looking and going somewhere to drink, and a lot of times I do a weird thing where I literally stand in front of the bar behind people who are already at the bar just to look at what they have up on our display, and I look for various ones. If I see tealing there, you know, now I can go back or say, hey, I'll have some tealing. There's no doubt I would do that. It's so funny. I've seen that on shelves at the, the, the stores, uh, and the Bennies here in the Midwest, like, uh-huh. and I'm like, mm, never tried it, never had it. And never heard and from anybody else. Never heard, like, uh, you know, good or bad of it. Right, right. Just never heard yeah, of it or right. much of anything. You know, I've seen it, but yeah. But now, next time I go take a trip, probably going to pick up a bottle. Not going to lie. Well, that's, I mean, and that's a great thing about it, too. And I think uh, what we're doing here is when we go to a variety of different places and we have more of an expansive knowledge of what's going on, I can look at a variety of things that are up there and I'm like, okay, I've tried this, tried that. And now if I see something like this, I'm like, oh. They have that. 
and nothing else like jumps out at me or when I'm on, I'm like, okay, I'm going to go with that. Oh yeah. If I go to a, yeah, like, yeah. if I go to a, the local pub down here, I'm, if I see that on a shelf, I'm like, yeah, no, let me get that neat. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's a great achievement in itself. So that's testament to that. When it comes to the number on this, we're doing in our 10 point scale. I am at an 8.1 with tealing. I'm close. I would, yeah, I, I'm probably going to say 8.0. Oh. Okay. As fraction. 8.0. And we've been, I mean, it's kind of weird how we've gone, oh, I guess not weird, but in our episodes, that's where we're hovering. That's been our bandwidth. We are. We haven't, but here's the thing. For me, I'm very fickle when it yeah. comes to some of the cigars and some of the, like if I, if I score something probably 8.5, yeah. close to the nine range, that means I'm very, very, very impressed. It's rocked your and, and if I do anything nine or above, I'm like, holy smokes, that's probably going to be hard to beat. Which is encouraging to me because I always believe there's room at the top. And we're coming across a lot of great different smokes mm-hmm. and whiskeys and brown liquor in general that are at a high level, which tells me that you can do great in this industry if you maintain that level. There's room for you out there. And you're not going to go wrong if you go to a different variety of areas and go to different places that serve this and whatnot. So I'm very encouraged by what we've been doing so far. And uh, I am waiting for that knock it out of the park, but I'm perfectly okay. What we've been doing right now and continue with this as it is. So it's true. um, So as we take the bands off and burn through this last third of this cigar, uh, it tells me we're this episode is down to a nub. It sure is. Uh, I'd like to first thank everybody for joining. And the shares and mentions on social media, we appreciate all the support. If you're new to the Cigar Social, uh, we hope you enjoy the podcast and decide to join us again. If you uh, have a cigar you'd like us to try, don't hesitate to reach out and let us know. And lastly, I'd like to thank Chris Siebold uh, for the music. Uh, He's an absolute wizard on the guitar. In case you haven't uh, checked him out already, you can check him out on Facebook. Uh, The link to his Facebook is in the show description. it, it, he's just phenomenal to add, add a testament guitar. to that when people have listened to it and they've come to me like so where did you guys get that opening intro uh, and he's I, our he's, and he's I tell my neighbor him, from three doors I said down. down the block and they're like what are you talking about no there literally was a guy who yeah. played guitar and so, put that together so i mean and and i'm sure i'm sure we'll have chris on for an episode as a guest because he's got he's a very interesting it would be a crime who, if we did not he uh he does a lot of local shows he's he's actually just got back from denver from a from a show and he travels He's well educated. He's he's trained with the best of them. You can find him on iTunes actually. Um, but he's he's phenomenal. His he, name again? Give it out for the group. Of- Chris Siebold. Okay. S e i b o l d. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, um, I'll find it. But he's out just outstanding, and so and he's my he's three doors down from where we are right now. Um, so thank you, Chris. Yes. Um, until the next time we put smoke in the air. Uh, just you know. Be nice to each other. Stay safe. Um, and I think I think that that's it for me. Pretty much. I think this was fantastic. Matt, wonderful job. And uh, folks, um, thanks for listening to us. Tell your friends, tell your family. Keep those cards and letters coming. And we'll see you next week. See you.